Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to Convo. We're here this morning to talk about Inside Out Prison Exchange Program. I'm Carolyn Schrockshank. I've taught uh, here at Goshen for about 18 years in the Peace, Justice, and Conflict Studies Department. And my name is Glenn Gilbert. I'm uh, currently Director of Facilities at the Physical Plant, and I've been at Goshen College for about 33 years. Almost forever. Almost forever. Inside Out Prison Exchange Program is a program that's, that um, has courses that are designed to bring college students and incarcerated men and women together to study as peers. Inside Out takes 15 to, to um, 10 to 15 college students with an equal number of inmates and puts them together in a semester long, or in our case, a May term. The main goal of the program is to break down the walls between them and us, between us as sort of the squeaky clean good people, quote unquote, and them, people that society has deemed as criminals, puts, puts us together in a class. Right from the get-go, we work on language, and the language that we use is the language we'll use here this morning, which is that college students are called the outside students, you all are called the outside students, and the inmates are called in, inside students, and that's what we'll be using here this morning. The classes are always interactive. We don't do lecture. There are exercises, discussions, small groups, activities, uh, so it's a very engaging uh, kind, of, uh, kind of class. During Inside Out, these two groups of people, these two very different groups of people, uh, become classmates, learning and teaching each other. Um, they, we, become a community, a, a really, actually very strong community. So our program um, takes place between Goshen College and the Elkhart County Correctional Facility, or the Elkhart County Jail and we've been partnering now for a number of years. This Inside Out program is not unique to, uh, to Elkhart County. It's not, not our program, but we're part of a much larger uh, movement uh, throughout the country and actually literally throughout the world. It began at Temple University in Philadelphia, and the founder of the project uh, for 20 years ago is named Lori, Lori Pampa. And I'd like to show you a quick video to introduce you to Lori and Inside Out. When I started teaching here at Temple uh, back in 92, I was teaching classes uh, in corrections and I thought about, you know, how did I learn about jails and prisons? And really, the way that I learned was by going behind the walls a lot. I've been going in and out of prisons for 30 years. The usual uh, inside out semester is a standard semester. Um, so for example, here at Temple, we have 15 week semesters. So we meet once a week at Greaterford Prison. It's a very large uh, maximum security prison about an hour outside of Philadelphia. You have about 15 outside students, 15 inside students, and um, people are sitting around the circle alternately inside, outside, inside, outside around the circle. What is really key to making inside out work is that everybody in that room has an equal voice and really an equal stake in the learning process. The idea that we are coming together as a community and learning together 
outside the walls of academia, it's a very powerful thing. Here we're in a room together and we are essentially creating this space of freedom in the context of something that is quite the antithesis. We as a society are only able to continue to incarcerate 2.3 million people because so many of us don't know what's going on. Part of my kind of personal mission is to get as many people inside prisons and jails as possible. That's one of the ways that, that change is gonna happen. Temple has been a really wonderful home for Inside Out, for the, for the gestation of Inside Out, as well as where it's gone and where it continues to go into the future. 95% of people who are in are gonna get out and you know are gonna be our neighbors. Who do you want coming out? Do you want somebody who maybe is just a whole lot angrier from the experience? Or do you want somebody coming out who has had opportunities to maybe do some critical thinking? We have people who are teaching courses that span the social sciences, span the arts and humanities, and we even have law school classes that are happening uh, in the Inside Out model. What we've heard from people around the country over the years is that when Inside Out is offered in a correctional institution, it impacts on that institution. It impacts on the culture of the institution. People get to the end of these classes, inside and outside students, and talk about uh, they'll never see the world the same way again. You know, they feel like the, this has changed their lives. And it's not the sort of thing that we could have planned for. I mean, I didn't sit down in putting, you know, the, the, the first syllabus together and say, okay, I want to develop something that's going to change people's lives. Um, but I started to see this unfold and, you know, all of these people around the country, instructors, inside students, outside students, are all involved in this and are putting their mark on it. And it, it just, I've, I feel like I'm one of the few people I know who could say, there is absolutely nothing in the world I'd rather be doing. It's, it is a gift, a pure gift, to be doing this in the world, I have to say. Um, I love it. This is a busy slide, so we don't need to spend too much time, but this is, these are some of the numbers that have happened with Inside Out over the last 20 years. Um, there have been literally over a thousand uh, classes offered in this format. Um, and the, as she mentioned, the disciplines depend on the instructor as to what's taught. Uh, criminal justice is commonly taught, but history, humanities, sociology, gender studies, theater, philosophy, women's studies, and a whole lot more uh, different types of classes have been taught through this inside out model. Currently, there are over 140 colleges and universities around the country that are participating in this, along with 150 different correctional facilities in involved. And together, in the last 20 years, over 35,000 students have taken class in this format. So this is a very significant and powerful movement that's, that's taking place uh, with uh, great success all over the country. So how did it get to Goshen College? Uh, in, back in uh, 2012, I was teaching a class uh, on restorative justice. And as part of that class, we learned things like the fact that the United States is the superpower of incarceration. 
We, uh, as Lori said, we have about 2.3 million people behind bars. We have, the, the, we have only about 5% of the world's population, 5%, but about 25% of the world's prisoners. An amazing statistic, troubling statistic. We also tour the jail as part of that course, uh, and the jail, uh, touring the jail carries a punch. And so we came back, the students were troubled, what can we do, how do we affect change in the criminal justice system? And so I started looking around and discovered a Notre Dame professor that was teaching uh, an inside-out course uh, at the Michigan State um, Maximum Security Prison. And so I invited her to come and speak. And uh, both I and the students were hooked. So I went online, signed up for a training, and went and took the training. The interesting thing is that after the training, uh, the next summer, I got two students uh, who were part of Maple Scholars, and they worked with me both to develop a curriculum, uh, a beginning curriculum that we still use the basis for, uh, for one of the classes, and they helped me with meetings to try to get this into both the criminal justice system and academia, Goshen College. Two uh, institutions that don't like change. And it was not an easy, uh, an easy process. We got no's from both initially, and so had to really work at trying to convince both institutions this is a good thing, it's a safe thing, it's a transformative thing. Uh, and it took, it took a lot of work, but we got it, uh, we got it in. So this is, uh, this coming up will be in May, will be the sixth year for it. We've had five very successful years. Three of those five years, we've actually had uh, added a second class. So the two classes, uh, one is uh, called Justice in Our Lives that Glenn and I teach. Uh, that class covers things like violence and nonviolence, crime, why do people commit crime, looks at masculinity and violence, which is an interesting thing to do behind bars. Um, uh, we look then at, at we look at the criminal justice system some, and we look at restorative justice. The other class uh, is taught by Michelle Milne and Saulo Padilla. It's on the women's side. Glenn and Mines is on the men's side. That's on the women's side, all women. It's uh, called Borders, Boundaries, and Bridges. And it looks at, at the boundaries that we put uh, between ourselves and others, both real boundaries and metaphorical boundaries, and how do we cross those boundaries. It's a, it's a very uh, arts and drama kind of, of class, lots of activity. Um, involved in it. So, um, Carolyn mentioned that she went for training. Um, Lori uh, Pompa at that time was the uh, facilitator, now it's grown and there are many facilitators of this training. I went to the training a few months later and uh, the training took place in, at, in Philadelphia area and we spent uh, uh, the better part of several days inside Graterford Prison, and some of those faces that I saw in, in the video are familiar faces, and they make me smile when I see them, because we were taught literally by lifers, people who were going to spend the rest of their lives in prison, um, we were taught by them on how to do the inside-out process, how to facilitate a conversation between people who were um, uh, facing a, a life of incarceration and people who were very, very green and uh, uncomfortable in that situation. How do you bring them together and have a conversation? They helped us with those skills. 
And um, it was a very transformative experience to just be in a few short days, and it was contagious. It, it's the kind of thing that once we'd experienced it, we were ready to come out and, and facilitate that in other environments. We were studying along with faculty from all over the country that were coming for a similar week-long, very intense uh, uh, week of, of training to prepare for educating in, in this inside-out model. Um, it's uh, Greaterford now was, was, you have to picture a, a prison that was built in the 20s and it's a Shawshank kind of building and thousands of people in a maximum security. It's now just even this last spring it has been finally closed and they're now moved to, a, to another facility nearby. And it's hard to, hard to moan that, but it is kind of sad to realize that that part of our history is no longer there. I often talk about that experience as when I left that prison as feeling like I had been on holy ground, which is just incredible when you think about leaving this, this old clanky building, but it was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. I've been doing education um, formally and informally for over 30 years, um, and I have never experienced anything quite so transformative. It really is. Um, it really is such an incredibly powerful experience for both inside and outside students. Um, and, you know, I, we, we keep asking ourselves, why, why is it so powerful? And there's, there's lots of different reasons. Uh, speaking for a bit um, from the perspective of the inside students, the incarcerated students, one of the things that happens in the criminal justice system when you get put in jail or prison um, is that it, it is intended, it is actually part of the intent to dehumanize, to sort of take away one's identity, uh, and that's everything from how, how they have to dress, uh, to what they are called, to how they are treated. It is, you give up, you give up who you are in a sense. And so this has become, that's what life is for people on the inside. And so to suddenly be put into a class where people want to know who you are, what you bring, what you think, how you feel, in the midst of that kind of, uh, that kind of dehumanizing experience, it's just, um, it's incredible. And we watch that, we watch that happen. Um, one of the, this, just this last year, a uh, young man by the name of, of Evan, after about three or four days of class, we did some uh, se separate debriefing and I, uh, we asked the inside students as well as the outside students, but the inside students we were meeting with at that point, so what, what feelings um, do you have? And he was one of the first ones that responded. He said, I feel worthy. I said, worthy? No one's ever used that word before. He said, worthy, like, like I matter. Like I matter. Doesn't get any better than that. Um, another, uh, several years ago, another, uh, another man, a man in probably his 50s, um, talked, about, <clears throat> talked about what he said in, his, in the verbal debriefing was, he said, it felt like something was waking up in me that I didn't even know was asleep. And in a journal entry, he said, so I guess I wasn't expecting the students to open up so fast, meaning the college students. It was the conversation between the exercises that really revealed their comfort level and how willing they were to interact with us 
as equals. Even though I knew going in what the class would sort of be like, I didn't know how devalued my thoughts and opinions had become. How empowering and good it is for one's self-esteem to have someone attentively listen to you with a look that says, what you have to say to me matters. And I am here to hear it. Wow. What does it mean for outside students? We're going to hear from three students, Roxy, Rowan, and Josefina. Come on up. Josefina Castillo is a social, social work major, and she uh, participated in the Borders, Boundaries, and Bridges class. Roxy mm -hmm. Gehrig was in, in last year's, uh, she is a mm -hmm. PJCS in music major. Um, she uh, participated in the uh, Justice in Our Lives class. And um, uh, Rowan Miller participated in Justice in Our Lives a couple of years ago. So uh, welcome alumni. Uh, we have a few <laughs> questions we'd like to ask you um, about your experience. So, um, and you can pass the mic as you, as, as, as it makes sense. What's the most significant takeaway from your participation in Inside Out? Um, well, I think for me, you've already hit on it quite a bit, um, but just kind of the humanizing nature of, of the program. And I think I'll talk specifically about the first day that we were there because um, it was really impactful for me. It was one of the first days I'd ever been to the Elkhart County Jail. And I'm not sure how many of you have been to the jail, but if you've been there, you kind of know what I mean when I say that it leaves you with a very unsettled um, feeling. The way that they've, so the jail was built several years ago, um, and the way they built it was kind of with the idea that they just wanted to make sure that no one was, it was inescapable, essentially. Um, and so it operates with a lot of big doors and glass and really sealed off spaces. And so um, where the inside students actually live when they're there um, is in these kind of pods behind, behind these glass windows. And you walk around these pods in a big kind of circle. And it feels really uncomfortably um, kind of like a zoo sometimes. And, and I just remember how, how damaging that was to like just watch them kind of go about their day. And it's double-sided glass, so they can't see you. It's a mirror. And you're just kind of watching them go about their days. And it just feels really uncomfortable. And then when we got inside um, our classroom for the first day, and we had to sit every other, every other student, and I just remember how um, uncomfortable I was that first day in trying to talk with them. But after a couple days, um, yeah, really changed how I, how I viewed everyone. And, in the entire class, so that was kind of a big thing for me. Yeah, this is gonna be along the same lines, um, but I think the biggest takeaway is just that for me, from now on, any, I can't hear anybody talk about the criminal justice system or prisoners or inmates or whatever language they use without having specific faces of people I actually know attached to that. Um, and I think that's really huge in impacting how we think about um, systems is if we know people who are if we personally know people who are impacted by something, then we're going to care about it. Um, and so having actual names and faces to put to a larger statistic, I think, is huge. <laughs> also along the same lines, I think I would also like to put an emphasis on the discomfort. Um, you go in, I went in very scared, and not because of reasons you might think. I was scared of saying the wrong thing. I was scared of offending them but they were so open so immediately and it was almost sad in a way because I, they, one of the mates mentioned that that was the first time they felt like normal when they are normal. 
and um, yeah, just to grow and to be able to sit in discomfort and learn in that environment was very powerful. So you mentioned that um, uh, a lot of your, uh, well, a lot of the time that we spend in class is actually in conversation. It's not a lecture-based uh, course at all. So Carolyn and I provide very little direct input. Most of it comes through the conversations that you have with your fellow students. So is there a particular encounter in, or a class experience that you, comes to mind that you'd like to share? Yeah, I'll go um, first. So this actually happened about two weeks ago. I am a social work major, so I had to take an intro to social work class, which requires a 40-hour, no, 20-hour internship. And I'm at the YWCA, which is a shelter for domestic um, violence and uh, substance abuse. And um, I was in a support group, and in walks in one of my classmates that was an insider. And she approaches me. and. Um, she says, you know, how are you doing everything? And then <laughs> it was really it's a little hard to say, but she looks at me and she says, I am so grateful for this class because without this class and the empowerment I felt through it, I wouldn't have had the courage to come to this agency and to really work on myself and my, my problems with substance abuse. And I thought, it was amazing and incredible that five months afterwards, it's still having effect on people. And um, I'm really appreciative of her coming and telling me that and just the class in general. Um, one small story, I guess, that uh, sticks out to me is at the end of the class, the last day we have like a sort of celebration, a sort of graduation type ceremony, if you will, um, and people from some administrators from Goshen College and from the jail, from the county come, and both of the women's and the men's classes are there together, so it's sort of this whole program. Um, and for that program, uh, so we had to decide as a class what we were gonna do, like some readings, some song, whatever we're gonna do. Um, and one of the things that we did was our class decided to sing the song, Guide My Feet, which might be a hymn that some of you are familiar with. Um, and we sang that, and we changed the verses a little bit. So the first verse we sang, guide my feet. The second verse we sang, hold my hand. And then we sang, give us justice and come with us. I think were the four verses we sang. Um, and one of the days when we were in our classroom before that final celebration and we were practicing the song so we would know what we were doing. Um, and we were in that format, every other student, like we said, um, inside and outside next to each other and every other student. And we were singing that song and on the second verse, um, where it says, hold my hand. I don't know how it started, but at some point, um, someone grabbed the hands of the people next to them, and we were all standing in a circle, holding hands inside and outside students, um, and singing the words, give us justice, as we run this race. And that was just a really, um, that's an image, I guess, that sticks in my mind as a really powerful image of the end of this class, um, having sat in discomfort together and having taken the time to know each other, um, the sort of uh, unity and power that we could have all together. Um, I also have an image in mind that when I, when I think of this kind of a question, um, and it's actually of a drawing that one of the inside students did and, and brought to class one day. Um, and I don't remember if it was in response to like an assignment or a creative kind of outlet type thing, but um, he came in and, and showed us this drawing that he had. And it was basically kind of a sidewalk concrete slab with, with a bunch of cracks in it that had kind of run down that was kind of like sketched out. He'd sketch it using a pencil. Um, and then 
a rose that was kind of growing out of this crack. And he talked about um, it coming from one of his favorite, <clears throat> excuse me, one of his favorite poems, which is from Tupac Shakur, one of the, a rapper in the 90s. Um, and the poem was called um, How the Rose Grew from the Cracks in the Concrete. And he made this comparison to his life and how he had been kind of living as this concrete in this gray space and kind of had these you know, bad things happened to him. And he was at this point in his life now where he felt like he was really starting to, from this class and other things he'd been doing, um, see himself kind of grow out of this, this kind of broken concrete. And it was, and I remember it was actually colorful. The rose was colorful. It was green and, and the top was really vibrantly red. And I remember asking, how did you get, you know, those colors? Because they don't allow them to bring in pencils or anything like that that have color. And he said, oh, well, so I take some deodorant that you can buy at the commissary and I get some ink from pens and I, and I mix it so that I can get like a color that looks kind of like a watercolor and then I eventually just kind of color it onto that. And I just thought like, wow, like how, many, how much lengths you have to go to to get creative about this artistic expression you have. And it was so important for him to express it this way. And I just remember feeling sad that he had to go to those lengths to get those kind of supplies. But that was a really powerful image that sticks out to me. So, um, as you um, have now been outside the class for, in, in your case, a couple of years, and, and it was last spring for you, what kind of difference do you think this is going to make in your lives going forward? Any ideas there? Um, yeah, I would say it's actually made quite a bit of difference in my life already. Um, so as a social worker, we have to do a senior 400-hour social work practicum kind of internship. Um, and so I'm actually doing my internship now at the Center for Community Justice in Elkhart, um, which has a lot to do with restorative justice and kind of the concepts that we talked about in this class and humanizing people who we've, you know, kind of put down as criminals and things like this. And so um, actually my choice to go to Center for Community Justice and work there for my senior internship pretty directly, I would say, correlates to, to the learnings I had in this class and, and how important I felt like it was for me who was someone who was already interested in criminal justice before, um, but after I had gone through Inside Out and gotten this experience of really kind of humanizing the people involved, um, it really motivated me to actually kind of like do something about it, and, um, and I think that was what really propelled me to, to take this interest in this internship. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a thing for me. But. Yeah, I think it's something that probably uh, down the line I'll continue to be able to look back and say that it's sort of impacted different aspects. Um, I think one thing that I can think of is just that um, in this class and in a lot of like peace justice conflict studies classes, um, we talk about systemic violence or structural violence and that can feel really hard to like break into um, and change in any way. But one thing that we sort of boiled it down to in this class was we talked about the idea that um, hurt people hurt, um, that people who have been hurt are, are then more likely to uh, turn around and do the same. And that can be true for lots of other things. People who have been listened to listen well to others, people who, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and so I think talking about it in that way um, and kind of hearing people's stories around that has made me just more aware of um, of that we're sort of always operating in these like cycles of both good and bad and like how our everyday actions can impact those things um, and so how just how we can live in a way that we um, yeah that we're impacting those cycles in positive ways and not negative ways and that small actions do matter in that. It's definitely made me think about, at one point, either having my, one of my internships at, um, what is it? Center for <laughs> CCJC, yeah, yeah. Um, CCJ, or um, just in the future, since social work is such like a, a 
broad field working in a reentry program or um, volunteering um, in jail, like offer, helping to provide classes or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's affected how I, how I want to take my career. Yeah, and I think we've, Carolyn and I have heard, uh, you're, you're not isolated stories here, that we've heard from a number of students who have taken the class and either have made career choices, uh, somewhat based on their experience, or it certainly has influenced how they think and view the world. So uh, now's the time for the shameless plug. Why would you um, tell some of these students here why they should enroll in the class? It's amazing. Um, I grew and learned in ways I didn't think I was going to, and that's something I'm always going to be grateful for. Um, it also just changed the way I see the world, and that's a really big statement, but it's really true. In those three weeks, I think I changed the most throughout, like, mm. if that makes any sense. I don't <laughs> so yeah, it's just a very powerful class, and if you have the chance, definitely take it. Yeah, I would agree. If you have the chance, definitely take it. Um, there are lots of reasons to take this class. I think it's content-wise going to be pretty similar to a lot of to a number of classes you could take on campus, but because of the people involved in the conversations um, and the setting of the conversations, it's also completely different. It's not, it's not something that you could, what you get out of that class is not something you could get out of other classes on campus just because of the way that you're having those conversations. It makes you aware of different things. It makes you open to different things. Um, and also, I mean, on top of all of the really like heavy material and the like serious stuff that we could cover in this class. I think it's also important to note that there's a lot of like fun that happens. There was, I think one of the things that a lot of us were most surprised by after the first couple of days was how much we laughed um, and how much we just like, people would joke around in the class and um, have a good time. And so, yeah, don't be scared away by the heaviness of it. It's, that's really important, but also the, the lightheartedness of just like making friends essentially with people is a really important part. So. That's something to keep in mind, too. Yeah, I think I would say um, take it because it's, it's an experience. Um, and I think a lot of classes, well, well all classes are, you know, it's, it's an experience you learn. Um, I've always found experiential learning to just be really valuable for me. And, and I think I see that in other people a lot of the times, experiential learning is very valuable. Um, and this is probably the most, I think, impactful experiential learning kind of thing that I've ever, ever done. Um, and I came and I did this class directly off of SST. Um, and so I remember thinking about, I was worried actually that it, would, it was gonna be really hard to try to think about how do I you know, confront all these big issues um, and like look at myself. But actually coming off, right off of SST was a perfect time to do that because I'd already been doing that for you know, the three months that I was down in Peru. Um, but I think that it was cool because I on SST learned how to look at the world in a different way. Um, and, and people there, but then I think coming back and doing Inside Out, I really started to realize how differently I could look at other people. Um, and so I think that just experiential learning piece was, was really impactful for me and that I would definitely say that if you're someone who really enjoys that kind of learning and that kind of experience and less of a maybe structured classroom environment and more about just the, the experience of sitting with other people and learning together, um, then this is a class you should absolutely take. Well, thank you to all three of you. You can just remain seated here. Um, we, uh, 
want to just quickly review uh, the course material. The two classes that are available, the, the one that Carolyn and I have been teaching for the last five years is Justice in Our Lives. It's uh, uh, made up of men from the inside and a mix of men and women from the outside. Uh, together we explore violence, nonviolence, uh, the current state of the criminal justice system, and a uh, very quick review of that, and an introduction to the idea of restorative justice. The other class that is taught is uh, Borders, Boundaries, and Bridges. This is taught by Michelle Milne and Salo Padilla. Um, they have been teaching, like uh, Carolyn mentioned, for three years we've been able to have this class. And it's made up of women from the inside and women from the outside. And together we explore both the borders and boundaries, both physical the, that we have in this world and also the metaphorical borders and boundaries that are created between uh, different people. And also bridges, using art and creative expression and motion uh, to figure out ways to build bridges to overcome the borders and the boundaries. Um, we've got just a, a few uh, slides here, or pictures from some of our classes. Uh, students haven't even seen these. Um, and so as we're doing that, I just want to review a little bit about how you would sign up. Uh, this class is a little different in that you don't enroll for the class like you traditionally do for most of your classes, but you need to make an application. And the application process will take place in January. So watch the communicator and look for posters on how to apply for the classes uh, in, in January. And, and then there will be a short interview process. Because the classes are uh, fill fairly quickly, we're not able to take all the students that apply. So we, we go through this interview process to make it as uh, fair and complete as possible. Um, so that will be coming, so watch for that. If you're going to be gone in spring term on SST, uh, see me or Carolyn uh, as quickly as you can, because we'll set up a reading, on reading day come December 10th a chance for you to interview for these two. So watch for those announcements. And there will be some posters. And then you can finish with your story. I want to end with a story about something I call collateral healing. We all know and understand what collateral damage is. It's those unintended consequences that happen during war making. Well, I call it collateral healing when there's unintended consequences around peacemaking. And so this is a story about collateral healing in a correctional facility. It happened during the last week of class one year. The community spirit among our group of 25 was very strong by then. The three jail staff who took turns sitting in on the class were thrilled with what they were witnessing. The ever-present guards who got us into and out of the classroom each day were respectful and pleasant until the end of the day on that Thursday. We were about halfway through a fairly serious closing ritual when the door burst open and a guard, I'll call Henry, stomped in. Time to go, he barked, up against the wall. Nobody moved. We stared at each other in shocked silence. Come on, he barked louder. Stop your praying or whatever it is you're doing and get moving. We moved, all of us. To get a feel for what happened next, imagine that half of us here this morning were suddenly forced to go up against the wall, 
hands above our heads against the wall to be methodically frisked by the guards, one by one, in preparation to go back into locked cells. The other half of us were scrambling to line up for our walk to the freedom outside, watching as our peers got body searched. To witness this, even though we knew it happened, but to witness it, to suddenly have the us and them come crashing back so traumatically was incredibly hard. The bus ride back to the college was very, very quiet. By the next day, the shock had given way to indignation and anger. Everybody was buzzing about it before class began. We were beginning the last section, introducing restorative justice. We had a guest speaker that day, and she began by describing what restorative justice is and what it isn't. Five minutes or so into her talk, the door opened and Henry walked in. Everyone froze. What now? Henry looked around the circle a bit and then said slowly, I'm here to apologize for my behavior yesterday. It was very disrespectful and I'm very sorry. I caught the, the wide-eyed stare of an inside student who mouthed, uh, who mouthed silently to me, this never happens. Henry went on, while there were a number of things that had put me in a foul mood, what I did was inexcusable, and I'm sorry. He said a few more words, nodded at us, and left. We were as shocked and silent as we had been the day before. Finally, our facilitator had the presence of mind to say, we've just experienced some very real restorative justice. She asked us to go around the circle and simply describe what we were thinking and feeling. It was moving. Several of the inside students talked about their anger toward Henry and confessed their mistreatment of him after the incident. I think we'll need to go back and apologize to him, they said, and they agreed to do that. I marveled at their willingness to admit this to the rest of us. And I marveled that Henry hadn't let that mistreatment get in the way of coming to apologize. Our time together that day ended very differently than the day before. It included a short visit from Corey Martin, the jail chaplain, who had heard about what happened. He stopped in to acknowledge it and to tell us that no one had told Henry to come and talk to us, that Henry had come entirely on his own. We have heard reports from around the country that Inside Out changes the atmosphere of a jail or prison. Corey came to affirm us, especially inside students, for changing the spirit of the Elkhart County Correctional Facility enough to allow for such a remarkable exchange. I want to thank, thank you, you all. Thank you all for coming and your attention. And again, if you're interested um, in, in learning more about this, um, you can come and ask either of us or come and ask our alumni here. And uh, look forward to your applications in January. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very nicely done. Thank you for
it's, I think I've made it.